You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 174. Today, I'm going to share with you four persistent money blocks that we can dissolve right now. So, stay tuned. I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 1.2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. All right. Yes. What's up, you guys? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition, another episode, another show here on the Mind Your Business podcast. I'm your host, James Wedmore, showing you how to create success in your business and in your life from the inside out. All the stuff that most people don't want to talk about. <laughs> our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our mindset, all the weird, what they call Wedmore Woo. <laughs> I'm loving that. I think I was called recently the Buddha of business, the Yoda of online marketing. I'll take it. I love it. Okay. So we've got a fantastic episode put together for you here today. I'm going to share with you four persistent money blocks. These are popular ones. Why do I know they're popular? Because a few weeks ago, I went to Instagram, I went to you guys, and I asked you to share with me your stories about money, your relationship with money, your thoughts about money, and boy, did you share. In fact, that was, it was tough. It was tough for me to, to read a lot of these because you can see it. You, you can see that these are pervasive in people's lives. You can see how it's hurting them. It's affecting them. And you know, they know because you can look to your bank account and see. So money itself becomes a big topic for entrepreneurs. And, you know, most people in America, you know, we are a consumer based economy. You know, we, we got to go make money so we can go buy more stuff. And then we've got to buy more than we make so we got to work more and you know finance and credit and you know so money becomes this big thing in our lives and especially for entrepreneurs you know because the game is about money in a lot of ways we can measure impact in a lot of ways through money we measure customers and sales and revenue profit so it's pervasive and we have a lot of stuff. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff from our upbringing, our parents, our culture, our just even where we grew up. Man, I think one of the things I'm just so blessed about in my life is a very interesting upbringing where I grew up in an extremely affluent town of Laguna Beach, California. You know, my parents, I always like to say that we were the poorest people on the block, but we would probably be very wealthy in, you know, a, a few towns over. But relatively speaking, we were not as like, I mean, we're talking disgusting wealth, you know, like your next door neighbors taking their private yacht with a captain out to Catalina for the day kind of stuff, right? One of my next door neighbors growing up was the founder of actually three neighbors within a less than a half mile radius were the founders of some of the most successful like surf 
clothing apparel, like multi-million dollar companies. So I grew up in that, right? I was surrounded by that. So our environment, everything. So anyways, we'll get into more of that. But here's, here's what I did. I asked you guys for your stories. You guys all shared. You replied. I'm very grateful for that. And then we compiled them all together. We looked at the most common ones and the most popular ones. And today what I'm going to do is I took four of those. And we are going to put each one of those beliefs or stories about money in the ring. And I versus that belief, we're going to duke it out. We're going to battle to the death. Cage match. Me versus your money block. And we'll find out who's going to win. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That's like monster trucks. Okay, so anyway, so that's what we have in store for today. And look, you guys are loving all the money episodes. And I've done a lot in my life to improve my relationship around money because, you know, I think most of us, that's part of the work we need to do. And, you know, I've, I've shared a little bit of this in the past. Like, yes, we grew up in this very affluent town, so it was very inspiring. But my dad also grew up coming out of the Great Depression. And so it's very interesting. And I'm very grateful for it. I think it's just the most, like, beautifully unique experience to grow up being surrounded by luxury, abundance, and just, like, it's oozing out of everywhere. Like... Your next door neighbors are driving Maseratis and Bentleys. And then your dad is saying to you, turn off the lights, you're wasting the money. You know, that was our big thing. My sister and I still always joke about it. You leave a room and it's like, turn off the lights, close the doors. You're wasting the heat. Like all that stuff was about you're wasting, you're wasting, you're wasting, you're wasting. And I noticed like falling into this paradigm of there's not enough and lack and you're wasting and it's not easy come, it's hard come, easy go. And so I grew up with a lot of that stuff. And my dad taught me the greatest work ethic on the planet. And that's why so much of what I talk about today is the anti-work ethic, this anti-hustle, especially as an entrepreneur, because I just see too many people that are working far too hard and have nothing to show for it. And I've seen my dad, you know, for anybody who's in real estate or knows someone in real estate, you can relate, but I grew up watching my dad work his tail off for people and deals would fall through. It didn't matter how hard he worked. It didn't matter how hard he showed them that he earned the sale or deserved it. And they would, eh, we're going to go with someone else. Or, eh, we don't feel like selling our house anymore. And, you know, he'd be working for nothing. And that's that's tough. And I just like, out of college, I went to go work with him actually, right out of college. And that's when I really saw how grueling the industry is. And I'm like, I don't want this. Nope, not for me. And I'm glad I said no to that. Well, if we're being really honest, he fired me. (laughs) I stopped coming into work and my dad fired me. I was just like, yeah, I got it. I went to the gym in the morning one day and he called me and left a voicemail. He's like, where are you? Don't even bother coming in. (laughs) Anyway, okay. So we're going to get into all that today. And I just wanted to update you really quickly because... I'm here recording this a few days before you're hearing it, before it goes live on Monday. It's Thursday. We're actually in our big launch right now. So by the time you're hearing it, we've actually already closed the doors. It's actually the last day. And I just wanted to 
take a quick moment and acknowledge and shout out to all of our new members of Business by Design. Welcome. I hope that you're not just going through the program and and doing the coaching, but you're also continuing to listen to the podcast as well. I always have you guys in mind when I'm recording these episodes and I think they're relevant for you. And just really a huge shout out to everybody who went through our video series. I know we've been talking about it nonstop and you've can't log onto Facebook or Instagram without seeing one of our ads and you're probably starting to roll your eyes and be like, oh my God, this James guy won't shut up. And you're right. I won't. I won't shut up. I'd see too many people struggling doing the wrong things and we just want to help. So for our students that want the help, they get the help and it works. So I just thank all of you for the feedback, for participating, like all the comments and everything you guys have been saying. You know, we put six and a half months of just like blood, sweat and tears <laughs> in a really good way into this. And I, I know I've already talked about this before and it's it's just it's really important to me that we communicate this distinction because you hear me from day one on this podcast talk about you don't need to hustle. And then you hear me talking about putting my heart and soul into something. And those are so different. And on the outside, it may not look like it. It may not look like it. But a true creative, an artist, they want to put all they've got into their craft, into that creation, into taking nothing, a blank canvas, a white piece of paper, and turning it into something, a block of clay, a Google Doc that becomes a video that thousands and thousands of people see. And... What most people will tell you is, yes, like pour your heart and soul into something, blah, blah, blah. And then we misinterpret that and we go and we pour our heart and soul into the things that we shouldn't be doing, into the things that don't light us up, into the wrong activities, the things that will just drain us, waste our time and burn us out. But I'm working. Look how hard I'm working. I deserve it. Well, we'll get into deserving in a moment today. And so that's what I always want to invite you is don't work hard in your business. Don't be the low level employee that has a really jerky boss, which is also you, that voice in your head, trying to work 16 hour days just to be deserving and start to work smarter, not harder, obviously. But then when you do that, you get to put all of you into something into something you know is going to help people, into something that you know is like you enjoy doing it, you love doing it, it's going to make a difference, and it's going to make you a lot of money. So, food for thought. Yeah, so summer's here. Oh my gosh, the weather's so nice. As soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going surfing. I've been actually going surfing twice a day. I've kind of made this thing where normally I go every day. I'm in the water every day, but I'm really excited. I'm going to Fiji in August and we're going to a little island that's literally the size of a football field off the coast of Fiji and there's surfing on all four sides of the island and there's just this one little house where like 20 people can stay and I'm going to be surfing for seven days straight and the first thing I told myself is like this is going to be like this is a bucket list for James this is a vision board thing I've always said I want to do an epic surf trip I just got randomly invited by some friends. Like they just told me about it. I was like, I'm in, this is it. Like, this is something that's been on the vision board for a long time. I didn't know if it would be Fiji or somewhere else. 
and I'm just so excited. But here's the thing, like <laughs> for those of you who might hear, these are going to be some of the best waves in the world for me that I've ever surfed. Like these will be the best waves I've ever surfed. And it's like seven straight days of surfing. So I told myself, I've got to get in the best shape possible for this because I don't want to be too tired to, you know, if I'm not in the best shape, I'm going to miss a fraction of the waves that I could be getting while I'm there. And I really want to get every dose in. So I'm doing a lot of training in air quotes by surfing as much as I can. So as soon as I'm done with this episode, I'll be doing that. I'll be going in the water. And in July, before that, I'm also going to Kenya. This is a trip that's a long time coming. I'll be there with Stu McLaren, his wife, Amy, and a bunch of his awesome peeps. For those of you guys who know Stu, we've had him on the show before twice, actually. And he has a charity, which he just changed the name of, but it was World Teacher Aid. And the new name escapes me because it's a brand new name, where he and his wife, well, they created an organization that the people that go down there build schools in Africa, in Kenya. So we'll be there that's my first time going to Africa. We'll be there in July and that'll be really exciting. So summer is here. This is going to be a great summer. I hope you're going to have a great summer and let's get into today's episode. Shall we? All right. We're talking money blocks. We're talking eliminating. What is a block, right? Well, what I'm going to say is, is it's a block is simply a story or a belief that you have that contradicts the desire you ultimately have, and in this context, we're specifically speaking around money. Money, 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 money. This awkward, uncomfortable, uneasy conversation that makes people feel funky, weird, and bizarre, like you don't like looking at your receipt when you buy stuff, you don't like spending money, or you don't like looking at your taxes, or right? You get this visceral, emotional, physical reaction to it. Oh my gosh, money, 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 money. Well, we love talking about it because the more uncomfortable it makes people, the more I love it because I love hashtag awkward. So yeah, that's basically a money block. And the first thing I want us to say is, as I said, it's a belief. And we've talked about this in the last few episodes that if it's a belief, the actual definition of a belief is that it's a perceived truth, but it's not an actual truth, right? And I gave an example earlier of like, the world is round, and I don't think it's perfectly round, but you get the idea. It's it's not flat like some people think. Um, <laughs> just so crazy that people think it's flat. Go Google that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so that's a fact. Like, if we went and got, you know, in like SpaceX and like went out to space and like, oh yeah, it's round. We saw it with our own eyes. We would have physical evidence to support that fact and we would just never doubt it anymore. Okay, let's look at another one. Like we pretty much know the sun's gonna come up and tomorrow's gonna be here. And even though that's like not proven, like we can look to evidence of the past that it will happen today, it happened yesterday, it's been happening for however long, who knows. So good good likely estimate that it is right so there's these things in our lives that we don't question that are fact and then there are these other things in our lives that we don't question that aren't fact and that's exactly what we're going to do today we're going to question them we're going to actually look at them instead of just continuing to say yeah well you know this is how it is well let's look at that okay Now, this is why this is important. This is why these conversations about beliefs are important. There was this video I saw a long time ago, and chances are you've seen it too. And now there's like all these knockoffs of it, and it might be worth finding, but I'm going to ruin it for you. So maybe it won't be worth finding, but maybe you've seen this. This is what they called the attention test. And this is a video that went viral on YouTube years ago. 
and it was they called it the attention test and what it was is they had a bunch of people with basketballs in a video and they asked you some kind of prompt they said we're going to see how good of you are at paying attention and they said for the next minute we want you to count to see how many times the white team passes the ball and there's like two teams the white team and their white shirts and the black team and their black shirts and all you do is you're like, oh, yeah, you know, your brain goes into action. It goes, OK, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make sure I get this right, because we always love little games like that. Right. And you're like, OK, 13, 13. Yeah. And then the announcer comes on. And he says, if you guess 13, you are right. However, did you notice the giant gorilla in the background? And I remember watching this. So some of you guys have probably seen this video and I'm like, what? And sure enough, they replay the video and there's this giant it's like a guy in a giant gorilla suit walking through the shot and you don't even notice it. You don't even notice the gorilla. Why? Because you're so focused on one thing, which is counting the basketball passes. And this is something that Tony Robbins has mentioned before, the reticular activating system. It's that whole idea that when we focus on one thing, we kind of create tunnel vision. You know, you focus on how many passes of the basketball, you don't notice the gorilla. And so that's, the best way that I can interpret and how I've been able to experience this concept of beliefs, and we all have them, is that when you have a belief, but it's not a belief for you, it's a truth, it's a fact for you, you tend to only notice that. You tend to only see that and you distort or delete anything that would possibly contradict that because you need to continue to find evidence for it. So it's like if you say money doesn't grow on trees, which is you know just a, a metaphor for money doesn't come to me easily, you won't ever find examples of it coming to you or somebody easily. And even if it did come to you easily, you'll interpret it as, well, no, that's different or that doesn't count or actually I had to do this or blah, 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 blah. So you don't realize this yet, but your beliefs are filtering or distorting everything. They're distorting the way that you're looking at the world and in this context, money. And you'll have to tell yourself a story that's congruent with the belief. You'll have to say, well, no, it didn't actually come. Is I know my grandma gave me this money, but you know, I for years had to like take care of her and come to her house. And like, so I worked hard for that. You know, you'll we'll find a reason to make it support what we agree with. So then of course, we can't actually get or experience something that contradicts that belief. If we're only looking for the basketball, we can't actually see a gorilla. If we only are looking for money coming to us hard or challenging ways, or we've got to effort our way there, we can't see an opportunity for it to come another way. So we'll miss it. It's like walking down the street and not seeing a $100 bill lying on the street. And by the way, you're doing that all the time, not literally metaphorically, but you're doing that all the time. So, you know, you could keep taking courses on how to make more money or how to grow your business, but it really doesn't matter if you're not addressing these beliefs because you'll see a business strategy and it might be too easy. So you'll make it complicated or too complicated and then you'll not finish it because you've made it so hard or you'll burn yourself into the ground before you finish it. And I see this all the time. Like so many of my students, so many people come to me, they've overcomplicated their business. They've made everything a mess. And it's like, well, why didn't you just do this? Like, oh, well, that that's too easy. <laughs> so this is so important, right? Okay, because, you know, you just, you can't see, you can't find what you're not looking for. And these beliefs are 
telling you what you should look for, which are the is supporting evidence of what you already think is true. So does that convince you yet? Does it convince you yet that this is relevant and this is important? I mean, I think the fact that you're still listening proves that you do know this is important. So kudos to you for still listening to me. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share four of these right now. And what I'm going to ask you to do is something a little different. I'm going to share them all and I'm going to ask you to feel your way to the belief. And why I'm going to ask you to feel this is because the biggest reason is that there is a difference between our body and our mind. And that in your mind, your brain, conceptually, you might already say, I know this isn't true, James, or I know I shouldn't be doing this, James, right? But even just how you say that, there's a but coming. I can feel the but. And it means that deeper, like subconsciously or in our body, it's there's still a part of it that feels true for you, okay? And so I'm going to say the belief, and then you're going to check in and feel how it feels for you. Does that feel true or not? And so when I say it the way, in my opinion, you would know that it feels true for you is you can feel something, okay? So if it doesn't, you wouldn't really feel anything. So for example, like, okay, let's say you're, <laughs> this, this is hard because everyone's different, but let's say you're like five foot tall and I tell you, oh my goodness, you are freakishly tall. How's the weather up there, beanstalk? Like, does that affect you? Does that hit you somewhere? Do you respond to that? Now, if you were tall and you were like embarrassed about how tall you were, like you just didn't like being as tall as you were, and I said that to you, you might feel something a little different. Isn't that interesting? If you are like in the best shape of your life, you've got like a six pack, you got a 13 pack, and I just start going, all right, fatty. (laughs) I was really fat once, so... (laughs) I've been there. How would that feel, right? You'd be like, what? Okay, <laughs> right? So notice that like some a great example of something that's just like, no, that's not even the case at all. It just kind of goes right through you, right? So I want you to feel for these, okay? So let's get started. I'm gonna read all four of these. I'm gonna take a moment and you just kind of listen to see like, huh, does that feel like it has some weight to it for me? Okay, the first one, money can't buy me happiness. Money can't buy me happiness. The second one, I have to work hard for money. I have to work hard in order to make money. The third one, I feel guilty making money when others have less. I feel really guilty making money when I know that there are others that don't have as much as I do. And the fourth one, I don't deserve money. I don't actually deserve the money that I desire. Okay. So 
Did you feel something? Did any of those ring true? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a note, mental, or write it down. Maybe you need to re-listen to this piece again. Of the one that, like, was the most for you? Like, what's number one? Like, oh, yeah, because that's... I really just want you to focus on one right now. We're going to go over all of them in this episode, but that's just focus on the first one. Like, just the one that's the the strongest. That's where we want to spend our attention. Okay, so what I'm going to do is we're going to spend a few minutes. We're going to talk about each one, okay? So the first one is money can't buy you happiness. And this one is probably a little tricky for people because... I actually believe it can't. So you're right. If that's the story you're telling, good. Like, yeah, absolutely. You're right. It can't. But we're going to look deeper to that if that's something you've been saying. So stay with me, okay? Now, here's the deal. Like, you might get like a dopamine hit when you buy something. I think we've all had that experience of like an Amazon package coming to the door. You're leaving the Apple store with a new Mac laptop. And you're like, ooh, you know, there's a comedian that said something funny. He says, people always say money doesn't buy you happiness. And he's like, that's ridiculous. Have you ever ridden a jet ski? (laughs) Which is true. If you're riding a jet ski, you can't not smile on that thing. Right? So (laughs) like in a lot of ways, it's really funny, but no, it can't. Okay. So the first thing to get here is that, yes, you're right. Money can't buy you happiness. Happiness is a default setting right? Like I look at my two and a half year old nephew and he's happy all day long. No one taught him that he doesn't have any money in his bank account yet. He doesn't have to work or anything. And he's just happy. He's just innately happy. And there was a time in your life when you were the same way. Okay. And then we kind of grew up and lost that. Right. And I've had Jim Fortin on the podcast twice before. And he says something that I absolutely love. He says, you know, James, most people think that money will make you happy. And he says it's backwards. And I so believe this. It's a happy life that makes you money. Now, don't take my word for it. Don't take his word for it. You're going to have to go try that on yourself. But if happiness is a default setting, you don't need any conditions in order to be happy. Abraham Hicks talks about this concept of unconditional love. It's the same thing. It's nothing externally needs to determine your emotional state. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. You can just choose to turn it on right now if you want, right? So that's the biggest thing I want to get across first is that your reason for money, like your desire for more money should never, ever, ever, ever be because it's a means to the end of I'll then be happy. I'll then be anything. You're screwed. That's why you see like actors and celebrities like go nuts because they got everything and they realized it's not what I thought it was going to be. That's why I went through a huge depression, which I've told that story before for two months because I made all this money and I was like, wait, what? I thought I thought I was supposed to be different now. I thought everything was supposed to change. Nope. And that, of course, is the backwards model that most people like just, I don't know, it's like the default setting that that's what they prescribe to is the whole do have be right? So if I do all these things, if I work really hard, then I'll finally have the money. So then I'll finally be happy or I'll be successful. And we know by now that that's backwards, that it's always, always, always be, do, have, right? Which is exactly what Jim said is if I'm being happy now, then I can do the right things. And when I do the right things, I'll, I'll have the, the money, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But it's be happy first. So I wanted to talk about this because Yes, it's it's absolutely true. Money cannot buy you happiness. But where I feel there's like 
for anyone who's even talking about this, well, money can't buy you happiness. Okay, there's something else going on that would cause someone to say that. And on one level, I think it's using this idea that money is this tool, which it is, right? But it's definitely not a tool for your happiness. And so what I wanna offer is that we create a new story for, not that it's there to buy happiness and you don't want it to buy your happiness because it can't and that's a broken model, but it is a tool. And it is a tool that will provide benefits and outcomes in your life. And we could tell a much better story. Instead of saying money is this tool for happiness and I don't want it to be a tool for happiness and it can't buy you happiness and blah, blah, blah. It is a tool that can serve us and serve others. For example, money is a tool that pays for my team. It provides for their family. I mean, because of the money we generate in the business, or as I like to say, attract into our business, I can pay my team, and my team has the money to live their life and provide for the rest of their family. And even beyond that, I know that they're in a job that they love, otherwise, if they didn't love it, we both wouldn't be working together because I don't want anyone working with me that doesn't love working in this environment. And so they get a better experience of life than somewhere else. And that's awesome. Without money, we couldn't do that. I couldn't help them. And I've talked about that in the past, how awesome it's been to be able to see the impact I have on the team, on their specific lives individually. Money is also a tool for inspiring others to what's possible. So this is kind of a story I've told, you know, it is what it is. It's a story, but it's an empowering story is I know that <laughs> when I talk about money or the money we make or anything like that, it inspires people. It says, wow, like he can do it. Look what he's done. It gets people's attention and it inspires them. And quite frankly, it gets people to listen to me. Would you be listening to this episode right now if I was completely broke? No. And if I can help more people because of that, because that inspires people, that is a actually really motivating thing for me. Money is also a tool for me in my life to help give my wife and our family, if we decide to have a family, their dream home and their dream experience from travel and vacation and living in our dream town. That inspires me too, you know, to be able to provide for my wife. Money is also a tool for impact. I told you guys I'm going to Kenya, you know, like the fact that, and that's, by the way, that's an expensive trip. Like that is a really expensive trip and it's time away from the business. There's just a ton of cost to get there, like all this stuff. And I wouldn't be able to do that. I would not have the luxury to do that if we didn't make the money that we make. And we can donate, we can give back, we can give more because we have more. So it's a tool to help. And that is awesome. And so these are new stories, new ways to looking at this one. That money is not a tool to make you feel a certain way. It's not something to complete you, to make you whole to make you good enough, to make you worthy enough. 
It's simply a tool, a tool that can provide a better quality of life for your family, for those around you and those you want to help. And that's such a more empowering and aligned conversation and story and belief if you want to adopt that. But if you're thinking that the strategy here is that more money is going to fix you, you're in for a real rude awakening. It's not there to fix you. It's there to empower you to help others, period. Okay, let's look at the next one. Since that one's gone, this is one of my favorites. You got to work hard for your money. All right, is this yours? Is this your block? And we know this is a block, right? You got to work hard for money. All right, so question number one. How many people do you know right now who are working their tails off and they don't have money? If you have to work hard for money, then how many people do we know who are working hard and don't have a dime, who don't have anything to show for it? Is that you, by the way? Have you been doing that, working this hard and not seeing the money you'd like? So is it really a fact because a fact can have no exceptions. Well, let's look at it the other way. Do you know anyone who works less than you do and makes more money? Chances are you do. Maybe not directly or personally. Indirectly, perhaps. But chances are you know someone who works less and makes more money. Who doesn't work at all. Or very much at all, really. And they're making a ton of money. So... If there's an exception to the fact, then it's not a fact. It's a belief. If it's not universal, that means it's not true. Maybe it's a majority of people. Sure, I'll give you that. A majority of people are working their tails off for their money. Sure. But why would you live your life being part of the majority? Is that what you wanted? Is that when you were a little kid? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be like the masses. <laughs> Is that what? Is that what you said? Because the M is silent. All right. So let's let's go a little deeper with this. Where does this belief come from? We know it's a, we agree that it's a belief now, yes? That you have to work hard for your money. Look, like it's really simple. It's the whole employee mindset that I've been talking about here for a long time now. That your parents were most likely employees. Maybe you are an employer. You've been an employee. And for most people, the reward system is the harder you work, the more you're going to be rewarded. So... What percentage do you think people, at least in the U.S., that's all I can speak to, are employees? They have a career or a job. They're not self-employed. Not as many today as like, you know, 10 years ago, as 20 years ago, as 30 years ago. There's more and more people starting businesses. You know, there's this stat that Forbes put out about 500 plus thousand people are starting businesses every month, which is just crazy pants, Right. But we're all coming from this paradigm of being an employee and being a good employee means working harder. And look, that is not what being a good entrepreneur is all about at all. It's backwards, right? So that's what we've all been taught. That's what our parents were taught. That's what their parents told them. You know, the bosses, the factory owners wanted people to work harder. So they created incentives and environments to encourage them to do that. And then we just stopped second guessing that. We started saying, yeah, you got to work harder if you want to be successful. And we didn't question it anymore. Okay. 
But then some people say, okay, James, I get that. But here's the thing. Starting business is, is tough. It's difficult. And so many entrepreneurs that are successful today talk about how much they struggled. Okay. So I'm going to address this right here. And I really want you to get this. Yes. Starting a business can be tough. Being an entrepreneur, which is creating something from nothing, can be tough. It can be really challenging. But it has the challenge has nothing to do with you're not working enough. It has nothing to do with you're not putting enough hours in. It has to do with the fact that this is a creative process. You're creating something from nothing. You're doing something that's never been done before. So you're building something that doesn't have a blueprint, that doesn't have a previous model necessarily. And you've never done it before. Just like there was a time in your life where you had never walked before and it was tough for you. You may not remember it, but your parents saw you stumble and fall and try again. And now walking is something that comes naturally to you. So is walking, this is key, is walking difficult or is learning to walk difficult? Big difference. Big difference. Walking is, I mean, and people use the now, oh, it's a walk in the park. It's a cakewalk, right? Walking is synonymous with easy. But learning to walk at the time in your life was probably the hardest thing you'd ever done. Guess what? Same with a business. If you've never owned a business before and you've been trained to be an employee your whole life, learning to start and run and grow a business is going to be like learning to walk. It's going to be difficult and uncomfortable and unknown and uncertain. But just because it's difficult, uncertain, unknown doesn't mean it requires hard work for you to make money. And that is huge difference because what happens is most people then just rely on, well, I'll just keep working harder and I'll just, if I'm logging more hours, that'll increase my chances. Uh, Nope. Nope. How easy is it to work hard on the wrong things in the wrong direction, right? If I'm in LA and I want to go to New York, that's like saying, well, if I work harder, my chances of getting there go up. Well, what if I work harder by getting in a boat and going west or heading in a train and going north? Or I say, no, you know what? I'm going to go east and I'm going to (laughs) run. Great. Good for you. You're working really hard. You could have just gotten in a plane, been there in six hours. So relying on your effort is finite, it's limited, and it doesn't guarantee diddly. So continuing to believe that you have to work hard for money is going to continue to perpetuate an experience where you're overworking and underpaid. And that leads to burnout. So money does not come from effort. And of course, we've had conversations like this in the past. We have an entire episode, Effortless Money Making. That's episode 167. We'll make sure to link that up for you. That goes into more detail. If you're like, what? What does this mean? Tell me more. But the short version is money does not come from effort. Money is is energy. And this is all about aligning with it. And that has nothing to do with how hard and how long that you work. Okay. So do you have to work hard for money? Or is that just an outdated limiting belief that's going to keep you stuck. If you still buy into that belief, all you need to do is find one example and let me be the example 
of someone that is working less and making more. And then you got to really ask, but do you really need an example? Do you really need evidence before you can go out and do it? Or do you just like doing what the masses do? And the M is silent. (laughs) All right, let's look at the next one. I feel guilty making money when others have less. Yeah, I hear this one all the time. Is this you? All right, if that does feel like you, let's listen up here, right? You're telling me you feel guilty when you make money because there are others out there that have less. Now, it is fact that there are people out there that have less than you. There's Even if you want more money, there are people that, with the money you're making right now, have less than you. Okay, so let me ask you this. How is not making money actually going to help others who have less than you? What is that actually doing to help them? Like, I get that the guilt is there because like a part of you is like, has sympathy and compassion for someone that doesn't have as much, but how does not making money help them in any way? Does their life improve? Does their financial situation improve when you choose to not make more money? And then the other question is, and this is kind of what I brought up after the first belief, is how much power do you have, how much say do you have in helping someone that has less than you when you don't have the financial means yourself? You know, something that Abraham says time and time again, which I love, is you can't get sick enough and ill enough to help the sick. And you can't get poor enough to help the poor. And that when you make more, and this is something Stu McLaren said on his episodes, he realized that he had some money blocks. He says, but he realized that the more money I make, the more impact I can create. You can't help anyone when you're broke. Why? Because you're in survival mode. So all you can focus on is you. That becomes your tunnel vision. Some of you are noticing that right now, that most of your life and your time and your focus and energy has been around, how do I get money? How do I get money? And you're like, well, yeah, I'll help someone else when I get money, right? Because you're in survival. If you were making more money, you wouldn't have to worry about money and then you could help people. There's something else that comes up in this is, you know, this, I feel guilty of making money when others have less because it almost presupposes or insinuates that by you having money, it's taking away their opportunity. So you may be thinking that there's a fixed pie of money out there. There's not. In fact, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing produces 38 million notes a day with a face value of approximately $541 million. So 540, and this is just in the United States, $541 million is being printed each and every day. Now, you know, that's part of that is to compensate for lost money and money that's gone out of circulation, but money is being literally just printed every single day. Another example is look at Bitcoin. This has been this like crazy phenomenon that people back in like 2010 bought Bitcoin at 10 cents a coin. And at its height back in January of 2018, it was up to over $19,000 a coin. Wealth just created from what? People were diving through dumpsters and landfills because they had a million dollars worth of Bitcoin on their old computer that they trashed because they bought $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, which is now worth millions. Millions just created. My family's in real estate, and we just had... 
My family just had someone buy a home with Bitcoin. And the reason that's really significant is it's a $5 million home. And they bought just a few thousand dollars worth back in 2011 or 12. And they're able to pay for an entire home, a $5 million home just with Bitcoin. Money is being created all the time. And now even easier. Where does that come from? Like, where does that money come from that someone just, and they can buy it in Bitcoin. It's, you know, it's not like they even have to exchange it. Like they can just like, people are accepting Bitcoin. I mean, it's nuts. It really is nuts. And we've made a ton of money off of Bitcoin. Here's another thing. As at the end of 2016, and so this is even still a little outdated, there was a record 10.8 million millionaires nationwide. It's just in the US. 10.8 million millionaires. This is more than ever before. And here's where it gets crazy. An increase, and this is like before the Bitcoin craze. Like, so these aren't even the Bitcoin millionaires. That's a whole crazy stat in and of itself of how many like Bitcoin millionaires there are. But so this is 2016. There's 10.8 million. That was an increase of 400,000 people the year before. So in one year in America alone, there were 400,000 new millionaires. Where is this coming from? Like, where's the money being taken away, right? Money is being created. Abundance is being created. There is no fixed, finite supply, people, because there are more people today on the planet than there ever been. Fact. And there are more millionaires on the planet than ever before. Fact. So you're not taking away from anyone. But if you believe that, you'll continue to feel the guilt and you'll continue to push away and pinch off the money that you actually want. And then of course you won't be able to help anybody because you'll be so stuck in survival mode trying to work hard to, to make it anyways. Okay, so do you feel guilty making money when others have less? Because feeling guilty isn't actually going to help anyone that has less. All right, let's look at the last one. I don't deserve money. This is a big one. So let's just ask some questions. Okay, so if, it does, if that feels true for you right now, I don't deserve money. Will you ever deserve money? Is this a fixed decision? Like no matter what you do, no matter how long it takes, no matter how long you do, whatever you do, will you eventually one day deserve money? Or is it like, nope, as long as I'm alive on this planet, I don't deserve more money or the money I want or blah, blah, blah. That's the first thing we want to look at. And if it's not fixed, then the question is, okay, so how will you know when you actually are deserving of money? How will you know? Did you set up some measuring system, some sort of rule to determine when you finally will be deserving of money? And is this a rule? Or is this just something you made up? See, most people, and chances are you, you don't even know when you'll be deserving of money. So then, we don't even know when we'll be deserving, but then we keep trying different things in an effort to prove that we're deserving, but we don't even have a metric or a measurement in place to finally know when we are deserving. 
So we just keep working harder, working longer, doing more and more that we can to prove to the world of something that we don't even know when we'll have it. So what makes someone deserving of money in the first place? If you're saying that you don't deserve money, you must be willing to answer that question. What actually makes someone deserving of money? And when you answer that question, is that answer a law? Where did that come from? Is it like God parted the skies and came down and said, this is when you'll be deserving of money? Or did we make it up somewhere? Or did we just pick it up from our parents? Or our old boss or our teacher? Where is it coming from? So if we made it up, if it's not actually a law that you can point to, why are we living our life by it? Why are we being driven by it? Why are we even listening to this? We know that Santa's not real, right? Sorry, kids. So we stop believing in those fairy tales. Why do we choose to believe in this fairy tale? All right, let's look at another thing. Do you know of anyone? Can you point to anyone that has more money than you that you don't think is deserving of it? You know, like a reality celebrity star, right? Someone that's famous for nothing, but still making a ton of money. I remember when... Paris Hilton became really, really famous. And everyone was like, what does she do? What is she famous for? Nothing. All these people would say, she doesn't deserve that. Blah, 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 blah. Well, sure, that's your opinion. But she still made a ton of money and started a bunch of businesses and became really famous. Who's to say what anybody is deserving of? There is no law. Point to it. Point to the actual unit of measurement that says, this is how much you have to be deserving of something. And when you're deserving of this, that's when you're allowed to have this amount of money, right? It's silly. It's silly. You can't point to any of that. And if you look at anybody else, and I'm sure we can all think of one specific person that has more money than, than you, and you believe they don't, you've judged them that, you know, they don't deserve it. Well, do you think it should just be taken away from them? Like, do we think that the police should just come to like someone like a Paris Hilton type and be like, I'm sorry, miss, but you just don't deserve this. So we're taking it all away from you. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. Look, all of these are crazy and I get it. It's, I, I do have compassion. And so I'm not attacking you for having these beliefs. I'm attacking these beliefs. See, I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm going to put these blocks, these beliefs in the ring with me and I'm going to beat them up. Not you. Because chances are we adopted these at an age where we didn't really know better. We were learning about the world. And the problem is, is we just stopped questioning them. And instead of questioning them, we just continued to see evidence of them. Evidence that reinforced that they must be true. That even if there was an exception, it was, there was some reason to justify why it was an exception. And what I'm asking you now is to let these beliefs go what do you expect to gain by holding on to them? What do you hope will happen if you continue to let these beliefs and stories filter and distort your experience of business, your relationship with money? What do you hope to gain? And where do you think it's going to take you? Has it been working so far? Or has it been hurting you? Well, look, 
I can't do the work for you. The thing with our conversations here is these are just words formed together into sentences coming out of my mouth, turned into bits and bytes, wavelengths and electronic data sent over the internet for you to listen to and interpret on your own. The work is always going to be on you. And this is your chance today in this moment to choose not to let these stories drive your behavior, your decisions, your actions, and instead to choose new stories, new stories that empower you, new stories that allow you to see new opportunity, new possibility, stories that allow money to flow easily into your life and flow out easily. Man, I love spending money on stuff. And you should too. We shouldn't have to get sick to our stomachs when we buy something or pay our taxes. Because that's when money has control over us. And it's time to let that shit go. Thank you so much for listening. I would love your feedback on this episode. If you haven't reached out to me on Instagram, if you're not following me there, please head on over to Instagram, do a quick search for my name, James Wedmore, and let's connect there. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I wanna show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be, so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is, this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate, and we can get started right now.